Numbers are rolling. I'm going to do an ESG pitch here. What? An ESG pitch? That's fine. You can do that. I'm I'm all right with that. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another crowd-pleasing episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, brought to you by the good people at Cognite right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. We do love our sponsors at OGGM because, um, as as I sometimes say, no, it's really, it's as I always, I, I, I've been saying this every time. I'm going to have to think of something new, but um, without us, no, <laughs> we start again. <laughs> so, so um, we'll start again. Hang on. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another <coughs> crowd pleasing. Crowd pleasing. Yeah. Show stopping. Show stopping. No, we don't want to stop the show. <coughs> Uh, shattering. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hey, everyone, welcome back to another crowd pleasing episode of the Oil and Gas Global. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another crowd-pleasing episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. This episode, as all the episodes on the show, are brought to you by the very good people at Cognite. And uh, we do love our sponsors at OGGN. Uh, they Not only do they give us their uh, financial support, but all of them are doing great things for the industry. We work with them because we like what they're doing. So uh, that would imply that you might like what they're doing. So you should check out Cognite at Cognite.com. Here's a little message that they want. In case you don't, in case you don't know about them or in case this is the first time you've heard me talk about them, here's what they want you to know. Imagine your company fully digitalized, transformed, and sustainable. Cognite helps you make data do more for faster, safer, more sustainable industrial operations. And you can actually go, you can go to Cognite.com, but, uh, but I think they got a, like an even better website at makedatadomore.cognite.com. Okay, enough of that. I am sitting here today uh, at the Fabulous Cannon on the west side of Houston, where the sun is always shining and the birds are always singing and the people are always happy and 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 actually there's some exciting things going on today so um um the first exciting thing is that this is the 100th episode of the oil and gas i don't know why that's exciting but it seems like 100 episodes is exciting i was thinking about doing some sort of a like a gimmick for the 100th episode and then um i just decided to have ration on instead so so because he's a funny guy. How, how's that for a lead-in? So Ration, uh, Ration Toolsy and I are sitting here uh, at the at the uh, what's this place called again? The Cannon. That's right. We're sitting here at the Cannon. We got some cool things to talk about today. Um, I do want to I, I, I do want to just give a, pay a little bit of homage to the tech show uh, because I didn't start this one, so I can't really claim all the all the credit. It was uh, the very first episode of Oil and Gas Tech was back in May of 2019. So uh, just about two years ago, Mark LaCour started it. 
Uh, and uh, we had, and that first episode was Sanjay Singham and Mike Nujbauer from ITC Global. And of course, we've had lots of really great uh, guests and topics over the last couple of years. I took over, um, I think, last September, October. My first episode was uh, our good friend Corey Alamon from Stratus. And uh, it's been a while, so we're going to have to get Corey back on here again soon. But he's a great friend of OGGN. And Ration Tulsi is also a great friend of OGGN because I feel like we've had you on podcasts and panels and all of this, but I haven't really given you a chance yet. Like we've, like the last one we did was Digital Doers, which you helped, you were part of the first five that helped launch that sure. show. And so, but we, you know, we were talking more philosophically about getting digital done in the industry. And so I didn't really give you a chance to talk too much about what you're doing now with Databricks. So we should get into that today. So do I get like a, is that a punch card? Do I get for like the fifth show free? <laughs> and uh, do I get a Subway sandwich at the end yeah, of the fall? Uh, yeah. I'll that, pitch the Subway there. There's, like, uh, yeah, but, I mean, that, you know. we're going to get that program going soon. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, there's a few of you who probably could get that punch card. Uh, yeah. You and and uh, Kayla and Corey and all you folks that uh, show up. Uh, the, what about Kevin? Isn't he, he's in Ireland, though. So he's in yeah, France. Yeah, he's, yeah, he has, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they don't, they don't even yeah. have Subway there, I don't think. So, all right. So today, let's talk about... Um, let, so, uh, we could... I don't know. I feel like we've introduced you a few times, uh, yeah. but, um, you know, many years with Schlumberger, um, that was where I met you. How many years was it with Schlumberger? Uh, 14 years with Schlumberger. 14 years. 14 years. Wow. 14 years of Schlumberger, three countries so with Schlumberger. So you were 14 when you started. Yeah. 14 years with Schlumberger, uh, 14 years, three countries, one wife and one kid with Schlumberger. Perfect. And she still works for Schlumberger. She still works for Schlumberger. She's still there, right? Yeah, exactly, so yeah. Is that okay now that you're not? I mean, does it... Did, did, did you have was, to have some sort of special it was a legal weird, arrangement? It was a weird situation because uh, for a little while, we ended up working on the same office, same floor, same car to commute. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was... But a, not the same department because that would be... Same, not, same department. Really? Yeah. As long as you don't have a, a direct report into each other, uh, then you can, you can have that kind of... You can uh, do that. Right. You can have that kind of uh, relationship. So it was fine. Yeah. So what did she think about what you're doing? Is, is this like... Rations out fooling around with some little company that doesn't. You yeah, know, it was uh, it was interesting. It's like interesting. a hobby or something. It was interesting actually because like this happened like during during COVID when, so, pre joining um, uh, Databricks, which uh, which is actually a, a really interesting startup company and it really it should be classified now as a small company and we shall see where it goes and we can probably discuss you know some of my theories about that right, but I was working a lot remotely pre COVID. I used to enjoy working the flexibility because I was uh, in Schlumberger, I was supporting uh, various verticals. So I was always like moving from client to client or, you know, com division to division. So I, right, right. I just found like a, the central place actually was my house. So I was at home and I used to enjoy being the only one remote working. Society yeah. just used to go to work. Right, right. There's some flexibility and like, you know, something envious about that. And then the second everyone else became remote working, I wanted to be in an office because... I just wanted to do the opposite of what other right. people do. Sure. Right? I mean, somebody has to do the opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Somebody has to be the opposite guy. Um, so. But then, of course, you know, I mean, uh, on a personal note, we've also just, uh, you know, we had a baby. Uh, so it's kind of nice that uh, I can help out with the, the kids. Uh, right. Because when you remote yeah, at yeah. home, you can just, you know, hold and help. And that, those, those are some of the benefits of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does cut in to some of our, like, you know, like meet up at the pub opportunities, though. You know, you're not, you're not quite as available. I'm not as quite as available as I used to be, yeah. but I think that will change. And, you know, until they start allowing kids into like pubs and stuff, well, we shall see, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I don't think they're not allowed. I, I think, think it's the six. There's a six p.m. rule. There's is a, that, there's is a that cutoff point is? at some yeah. point when kids are not allowed. But who knows? Okay. Right? You know, right, well. these are strange. I, I do have some like thoughts about remote working now that it's this is it. It's solid remote working. I do want a, um, a separation of church and state now because every now and again I want to go in an office, and I'll tell you why. Because I had to get some documents uh, photocopied. Sure. And I had to physically go and find a, a UPS somewhere and pay for it, you know, as opposed to like just walking across right, the right. room and using a copier, you know. Yeah. And I'm running out of stationery, and I just normally used to take some from a storage cupboard, but now I have to go yeah. and buy your yeah. own stationery. So, like, right. all those things, those are all big, serious problems. They all. <laughs> 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 well, you know, uh, uh, so while we're on this for just a minute, I was. Uh, um, so, right downstairs from us and down the hall is uh, Corva. And yes, the, uh, drilling the amazing drilling, uh, yeah. drilling automation company. So I had I had Ryan Dawson on on the other show on the Digital Doer show, uh, which by the way, listeners, if you haven't listened to my sister show, Oil and Gas Digital Doers, um, it's great. It, it's 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 coming together nicely. I mean, you helped us set the show sure. tone for that, but it's coming together nicely. So check that out. But Ryan Dawson, who is uh, the CEO, actually, I think they refer to him as the Chief Corvanaut. Um, but he was, um, so I had him on, on digital doers, I think it was last week and he was talking, he was making a pretty good case for why people need to be together in the same place to really collaborate and be productive. Um, you know, not maybe a hundred percent of every day, but like the whole, you know, uh, like, like bumping into each other on the way to the coffee machine and all the kind of the collaboration that comes out of that. And, and, uh, it's, a I, there's something to be said for that, I think. So we've, uh, um, uh, it's really difficult to collaborate successfully remotely because you have to schedule things. You have to right. schedule a meeting. You have to yeah, schedule yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of the meeting time, it's very easy to mute and dis- you know, and then like leave the meeting and be distracted by things. And it's hard to read body language and hard to physically collaborate. There is a lot, lot to. Of course, right. this was no one's real choice. So it's just a matter of uh, sure. of the environment at the time, and 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 that's how it is, right? And we, we will see a return to like you know office space collaboration over time. We'll see a lot more in-person gatherings, and we are seeing it actually. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, well, we just mentioned that before we turned the mics on that. The, I mean, the cannon was hopping. Today. Yeah, the cannon is hopping. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I've been here during COVID and it was empty and right. kind of docile, and now yeah. uh, there's life and people, and, people and that's everywhere. a that's yeah. a good that's a good sign of where we would need need to be, and 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 that's that's fantastic. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, enough <coughs> of that. Uh, Databricks. What? So I, before we get into like what this actual stuff is, like the Databricks startup story is kind of interesting, right? Have you have you been there long enough to get the whole to get your head around the whole? Yeah. How they so did I this? think Forbes uh, did a, a, a an article recently, and you guys can look it up uh, about our founders, and um, you know they call them the accidental billionaires because they were basically academics yeah. at uh, Berkeley University. And I, of uh, all the accidents I've had in my life, why wasn't that one of them? Yeah, I've had many accidents. I've never accidentally became a billionaire. No, yeah, or even you know, a, and in anything air, really, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. It, was, yeah. it was kind of it was it's, it's kind of a cool story about how they created this. Uh, they were actually the founders of Apache Spark. Right. And I believe that actually created it as part of an academic uh, research project and they were about write papers around it and So I've had, it. so I know we have a lot of folks who uh, listeners who don't come from the software or the kind of the, the techie software world. Yeah. So Apache Spark was 
just briefly. Yeah, it was their proprietary technology. Well, it's open source, right? Proprietary now it's open source, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they'd created it as a as an alternative to doing basically this on-prem processing, right? The ability to process large volumes of data, unstructured data, and structured data at the same time, but in the cloud and be able to scale up large volumes of data right. around. How do you manage that, right? There was a lot of challenges with on-prem solutions. So the problem with on-prem solutions really is, is cost of mm -hmm. maintaining just the equipment itself. Scalability, if you your data starts ramping up and you need to bring equipment in, it's very expensive. Right, you and it takes to, a long time. It takes a long you time. Can't just, you can't just uh, fire up another instance. You can't fire up another instance, but also then there's also just physical costs of like electricity and AC to run it, and then you know an army to maintain those things as you grow Excuse larger. Excuse me, they larger. call them nodes now. I'm showing I'm, my yes, right there. I'm, yeah, node. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yes, the, 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 the nodes. The nodes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... So, okay. you know, so they, they, they so were looking for alternatives around. So cloud was obviously one alternative, but then how do you actually, you know, actually work with data itself? So then they created this language called, you know, this processing technology called Apache Spark, and they had created it, and then it, it took a bet around it, and they made it open source, and then they basically, you know, donated that to the world, and it was adopted and grow and, and such. Um, and then as a consequence, they uh, formed Databricks, uh, I believe they formed Databricks to basically unify this platform. Right to give it governance and add more security to it, and, and you know take the best of since they were the creators of it to take the best of what they understood about it, and then add things like you know optimization around it, uh, you know more control around it, give more more uh, you know right. bring it, creativity it, it, in, but also some control that makes it easier for people to use. So thing to help you actually operationalize it in a yes. right in an and then scale it up and scale it and scale it because a lot yeah. of times these these kind of like core technologies like Spark and all the other things that have found their way into the yeah. It's what um, what a friend of mine says. Uh, it's what the cool kids are using, right? Um, although I think when he said that about Spark, it was quite a few years ago. But but um, but all of the, a lot of this new cool uh, stuff, uh, software-wise, um, doesn't always like show up with the ability. Like if you're if you're in an enterprise situation and you want to like 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 not just you know, yeah. you have to like you have to operate it and support it and deploy it and and yeah, and all I, that, I mean, right? like, like, exactly. Right, it right. does take a little bit of a know-how to get. You know, a lot of these. There's been lots of versions, lots of different types of these types of open source. You know, um, packages that were launched around the world, not just Spark, but you know, different oh, right, variations. All these things, yeah, right, all these yeah, things, right? Yeah, yeah. Adoption of it on a large scale has been pretty slow because they were either hard to use, didn't make sense, or they didn't have any uh, supporting structure. And, and my feeling is these, these, these are only really successful only when the ecosystem adopts it and takes it off. Once you have a supporting ecosystem of people that are yeah, willing yeah. to add to it, grow through it, and I think there's tens of thousands, of, hundreds of thousands of users now in Spark. Uh, right. And the ecosystem, once the community loves it, uh, it'll grow. They'll add things to it, but then of course it needs governance and you know control right, around all it. that. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, all, all yeah. the good stuff to go with. And they were uh, they formed a company to you know take what they love the most and you know see if they could help clients. And so they went out there to create this unified platform to solve um, you know really hard uh, data problems and AI problems as a consequence of it. Right. right so they right. created you know. And that was what? How many? What, how many years? Well, they, I think it's an eight-year journey. So it's an eight-year accidental billionaire journey. Yeah. Again, something that I'd love to yeah. accidentally. Yeah. I would even yeah. be okay with like ten or eleven years. That would yeah. be fine. Yeah, exactly. I could, yeah. I could live with that. I mean, you know, like I mean, that was the, how the article was actually framed. But in, in all truth, like it's obviously clearly like uh, insights, a lot of ca very very smart right. thinking, uh, some um, calculated risks, and to yeah, making yeah. it open yeah, source yeah. and you know uh, so, growing. So yeah. let's talk about that a little bit in in oil and gas because. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. Of course, I always say that, and and then I, I think about it later, and it was like 10 years, but I feel like it wasn't that long ago that um, 
most uh, you know tech leaders, IT leaders in oil and gas were not like there was no way they were going to do anything with open source. Like there was just no way. And then all of a sudden, like they are. Did you say 10 years? It, well, no, uh, I was just saying, yeah. whenever I say something wasn't that long ago, later I realized it was 10 years. So I don't know, maybe this was, maybe this was a I would long say, I would ha- say actually five years ago. Five, even yeah. five years yeah, ago, five right? Yeah, I, I think even the concept, like, I think when, when I was a Schlumberger, you know, even just bringing up open source was a faux pas, you know, it's like almost like a career-limiting rule for many people because, like, the real concern was, and it's a legitimate concern, is because a lot of clients have very strong proprietary data they have uh, some sort of like uh, country restriction as to how data mm-hmm. can be used, and right. it's, it's legitimate, right. legitimate right. concerns about data, right? So, so everything is justified. So how did we go from from like no way we're doing open source to and, and it wasn't just that, right? It, there was also the concerns about we got to have support, we got to have people, we got to people that we can call up when yeah. this thing's not working. They can like like so how did how did we get to well, you actually you actually answered this question outside this this when we were talking privately actually, yeah. we were talking about your variability of uh, challenges that the oil and gas industry was going through, right? Right. Was that at one point in the seventies was very very stable? You had just normal inclines and, and in, then something happened in eighties nineties and now with these high cliffs ups and downs. Right, so right, the uncertainty. Right. The industry realized that they cannot be too competitive with each other and they had to start sharing information and open source was one way around it. Then again, the ecosystem around open source technologies and adoption of it became much more prevalent. There was more confidence. Suddenly there was more legitimate people that were supporting it. It wasn't just like, you know, uh, uh, you know, like a a geek in a a garage. You know, and there was, you know, real science behind the real technology and there was governance around it. You know, being open source doesn't mean it's, it's not secure. Sure, yep. sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, so Databricks, right yeah. place, right time, right idea, doing doing the right things. Yeah, it's, we, I mean, I'm quite lucky to, to join Databricks as, as it is. Uh, I think when I joined it, uh, this was before the big announcement, we, uh, we, uh, they were hiring pretty rapidly during COVID, and I was quite fortunate to be, you know, to be hired by them um, because, as everyone knows, that people weren't hiring during COVID and in fact the opposite is happening. Yeah, a yeah. lot of industries, not just oil gas, especially oil and gas, but a lot of industries were squeezing down their hiring, they were laying people off and this, there's yeah, a, here's yeah. a company that's hiring people. And you know, uh, so I was like very intrigued as to what it was and, and then for the longest time, maybe three or four years, I was talking about data, 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 data and then eventually I stopped talking about it and said it's time to get into this. And the stars were aligned and then I... I and there you are. And there you are, yeah. So, um, so, what, so and what is it that you do? I mean, I, I, I am I, a. I, uh, I, well, I think I know what you do. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm a solutions architect at Databricks. Yeah, right? um, that just seems like a scary idea to me. Who put you in charge of architecture? Yeah, I, I think I, I'll speak to my boss about that. Yeah. I think I often, you know, so I, I have a talk to my boss. We have uh, weekly chats. I mean, we have, you know, when we need to, but we have a weekly, like, you know, one to one. And I always end the call by saying, I haven't broken anything this week. Let's see how this. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how next week goes. <laughs> right. Uh, so 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 what so. Like, what's the scenario? Like, 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 you walk into a room and people yeah. say, and people say, "We're trying to do something." Correct. So, like, right. so, uh, and, and I, and I think this yeah. is kind of interesting for the uh, for our listeners as well because um, some of them might be in similar scenarios, right? Where they're like, like, like and on, on previous episodes, we've been encouraging that you know people to engage with partners, find partners that you can trust. Don't try to do everything within your own. Like, the industry is is embracing 
you know, yeah. learning from other industries, learning from people who aren't necessarily longtime oil and gas, you know, uh, mainstays. So, um, so somebody says, well, Databricks sounds kind of interesting, but also kind of scary. So, like, what happens when Ration shows up? Yeah, that should be a frightening thought for. <laughs> it's like, they, what if? Yeah, exactly. it makes me shudder how bad, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. How bad is how yeah, bad are things yeah. exactly? Uh, no, so I'm uh, so I'm a solutions arch uh, architect, but I'm also a um, mostly because of my experience. I'm also a subject matter expert in energy. Right, right? Right. So I look after oil and gas. I look after uh, energy because I have this thing about connected energy, how it's all linked together, and then I look after renewables the best I can. Right? Sure. Um, and normally the the way it works at Databricks is you have a pairing. Well, it's it's, it's larger now because there's more. There's more of them. You have a solutions architect, uh, account executive pairing, and mm -hmm. I'm right. in field engineering, and we engage with customers. So, we just we engage with customers and see where they are, uh, and then we try and talk to them about their use cases and their problems, and, and right. Try so and the typical yeah. playbook, right? But, yes. but so what kind of things are you? So when you when yeah. people invite you in, what kinds of things are they trying to? What, what kind of problems are they trying to solve? Or it objectives depends. That they it depends have? on where they are, but it, it could be anything from like if you're in oil and gas, it could be. Uh, so it could be a cross industry problem, right? So right. it could be supply chain, for example, right? There may be a transportation costs to it, or fuel efficiency. So maybe a customer might come out there and say, "Hey, you know, we have these uh, transportation uh, concerns, and we're really trying to make, uh, trying to figure out fuel efficiency, right?" Or a logistics company, for example, is trying to figure out how what's the most efficient way for my sea seafaring vessels to travel the ocean, because I didn't know this until you do investigations, is that. Um, if they leave a port in like the west coast or the east coast, you know, of, of mm -hmm. North America, right, right. they spend like three weeks in Alaska. Yeah, for timing, just because the port that they have to go to isn't open. Right, so right, that's right. a cost. That's like when you're. It's like when you're sitting like out on the tarmac because your gate isn't. Yeah, because your gate yet, is. Right? is yeah, yeah. So that you know that could be a cost associated too. So, how do we optimize all of that? And it's possible, right? So the reason they out there is because the place they need to go to isn't ready, right? Or maybe the um, the supply chain that actually provides them the equipment for transportation for the cargo isn't ready, right? But with data analytics, you know, because we have access to it, we've actually built accelerators. And an accelerator really is just a, a, a proof of concept that proves this actually works. Right. So we can get live public data and we can actually see, um, you know, like all the vessels in the world as they're traveling. Yeah, yeah. And you can make predictions as to what's the most likely time your vessel should leave at that speed, taking weather as a factor, and then the vessel arrives there. At the same time, you can then make, um, you can have like business insights into when the supply chain should be actually ready. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and all of this is actually possible because uh, so. One of the core tenants of like uh, Databricks it was actually this Delta Lake environment, uh, and then we have this like lake house environment, right? And and I know what you're thinking, right? A lake house is sounds wonderful. Who yeah, doesn't yeah. want to live in a lake house? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> um, well, okay. Actually, that's a good. So, so as uh, I was about to say, maybe. So you just said, you just got done saying we could virtually we could like we we can solve problems in all different parts of the business, right? Correct. So maybe yes. maybe let's shift gears to. Um, and, and we'll come back to that, but um, to kind of help people like imagine how what that might be. Yeah. What does Databricks actually do? What does the product do? Yeah, exactly. So we we, we create and a few. How do I get an invite to the lake house? That's the more. Yeah, I also want to live in a lake house somewhere. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Databricks has created a few open source uh, products, right? And one of it is actually the the lake house product. We have um, we found ways to actually you know operationalize and optimize Spark, right? Um, so looking at, at data, uh, there was always this, as data had progressed through the, the years or yeah, decades, yeah. right? We had this concept of data warehousing, 
right? Which is formally around mainly managing structured data and the schemas around right, business, right. right? And they were really good for like, I think, business insights, right? Uh, but they weren't yeah. good at like as data changed, as the world changed, you started getting more video information. That's the thing. Updating the warehouse was was was, was, a, was a challenge. Almost made the entire initiative like not worthwhile. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Right. So then the concept of a data lake became more popular in the last uh, I think five or six years. Right. Yep. And da data lake really allowed. Which, which a lot of people that I talked to as as the data lakes were becoming a thing. I have a. Do you see this gnat that's flying around? I don't see anything. I, uh, I yeah. think maybe um, not. Uh, not. I'm not implying that the cannon has bugs. There's just a. It's not. It is gnat season in Houston. It's so it's, we, it's we pretty hard to have these little yeah. gnats yeah. flying around everywhere. Um, but there was a time when, just a couple of years ago, when people were saying uh, data lake. Yeah, that's just like the latest buzzword. Correct. It's the latest yeah. thing that they're trying to get me to spend money on, right? Like, like what will it be next? But there really is a fun like the architectural difference between a traditional like data warehouse and yes. a data lake is is completely different. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and it's designed yeah. to solve particular problems. It's designed so. to solve particular problems, but it doesn't solve all problems, right? So, uh, right. but then the problem was people got excited about data lakes and said, yeah, this will solve all our problems. And it was really good for like unstructured data, scaling on large volumes. And then it was really, you know, you could do some machine learning, you know, as a, as a consequence. It, it doesn't right? require you to like work out the schema in advance. Correct. In all of yes. its like yes. permutations, yes. right? Like you, you don't, but that, that was the other thing about data warehouses was the design phase alone could could take so long that you couldn't even remember what project you were working on anymore Correct. because yeah. you're still trying yeah. to design the schema. But the data lake actually uh, wasn't a one size fit all. It wasn't a silver bullet. It it really had poor governance and it had like you know issues with security around right, it. Right, right, right. And the types of data itself and the format of data was, was challenging. Right. So, so really, what what Databricks did was they 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 combined the both of them and formed this like delta lake environment. Right. Which uh, made all delta, the data delta lake a delta lake Del delta, delta lake, lake. Right. Okay. and the delta lake sits is the is the lake that the lake house is built around because down here in the Gulf Coast when we say delta we're, we're talking about something different we're talking about something different yeah. exactly yeah. so we're not talking about like down on the delta it's not down on the delta and uh, uh, yeah exactly and okay. there's, yeah, there's so, uh, delta lake Although, I'm not sure which one's cool. I'm going to say that the Delta Lake at Databricks is probably cooler, right? Yeah. Yeah, it depends, right? Less okay. bugs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. But there are lakes on the Delta, you know, like if you, if you, if you drive the, you know, if you drive across the, the, co the Gulf Coast through Mississippi and Louisiana, there are. Yeah, exactly. There's the Delta. And then, there's a the Delta. And then there are lakes. Yeah like connected to the delta yeah so so are you saying we should rebrand ourselves based on that i'm just that saying it could cause a lot of confusion <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna get on a call with marketing now Depending and say the, you know um, you guys you spend are. all this money you know all delta this thought yeah. all our clients love what we're doing we need to like rebrand ourselves because you know maybe you need some yeah. like maybe you just need like the OGGN a, says you need so. a good delta blues theme song is what you need uh, and then I, it will so it will all make sense that can work yeah. that can work that that we can do that okay. we can definitely, right. and, okay. we'll, and, and we should do that. That okay. makes we'll, sense. We'll make a note. We'll, we'll make a note. Follow exactly. up on that yeah. later. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So right. Delta so Lake. They took the best of both worlds, right? They took the governance of the uh, data warehousing, and they took the flexibility and scalability of the data lake, and they formed the Delta Lake thing. And then they made the data uh, into this parquet format, which is open source, right? Uh, and then it also has this, uh, we call it the medallion uh, system for data. And it, it fundamentally has this like bronze, silver, and gold layers, and the bronze is all raw data, and then the silver is when it has some aggregation to it, and gold is, you know, the final, uh, fully fully processed data that has business insights, and you right, can then right. draw machine learning from it. Right? So that's really it, and it actually sits on top of. It's just a you know a storage data. It sits on top of your cloud storage data on top of your data, so you don't have to migrate your data out of it. You can stay in any of the three clouds, right? 
And then ah. earlier in uh, this year, this is after I joined, we had a, a major announcement. We actually got funding from uh, Microsoft, Google, and oh, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, right? So that. we have yeah, yeah. Uh, funding from all three. All three are partners, and we, we work with all three clouds. So, uh, yeah. Complete um, cloud agnostic. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we could work with all of them. And then the lake house sits on top of all of this. And inside the lake house, we have more tools. So business insights, we call it for SQL analytics. Machine learning, we have orchestration tools that make machine learning possible. Um, there, was, there was a quote, and I'm going to misquote this. This was from MIT. It was something like 97%. I'm making all this up. But it's, it's roughly within the same yeah, uh, boundary. Yeah, sure. right? So 97% of all CEOs believe that AI will be fundamental or crucial to their business. So they invest pretty heavily into, into this, right? But only 87%, but 87% of those models actually fail in production. And we looked at as to why, why that actually happened and, yeah. and the reason why that happened. Actually, those numbers are pretty close to, our, to reality. Right? So why do 87% actually fail, even though it's so important? And it really has this, like, the tools for the collaboration, for reproducing some of the experiments, for tracking the experiments, and making them visible to the decision makers, and then actually pushing it into, uh, in, back into inference doesn't exist. So we created collaborative tools to make make a lot of that easier. Gotcha, took a lot gotcha. of the heavy lifting out of it, and that's half the problems we're solving with clients. Yeah, is those collaboration issues making right. it easier? Right, 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 right. Um, like if, if you're a data scientist, what you you spend most of your time with is data engineering, data wrangling. Yeah, you, yeah. before you could even get to like you know working with models. Yeah, and no, stuff. No. yeah, right. It's all about yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, there haven't been enough good tools. For yeah. doing that, I yeah. mean, Excel is not a good tool for doing that. Yeah, I mean, like one of these uh, one of these clients uh, we were working with, which is a uh, an oil and gas an oil and gas operator, you know, out in Europe. Basically, we, we were able to solve. Um, it was taking we were able to basically they were taking three twelve months to actually you know process data. We were able to cut that down by three, and then double the data set size. So you know we went down from twelve months to three months to process large volumes of data, yeah. and then we'll get faster and faster so that's a, as it works. Right. Right. Yeah. So that, um, I mean that 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 can make a difference in something being uh, getting from the proof of concept stage where we can't. I mean now you can actually do something. Yes. Right? Correct. Yeah. These are right. all proof of concepts or MVPs, yeah. and we're able to like cut them down right, in, by, exactly. by three quarters. Right? So yeah. all right. So let's let's get into that a little bit because. Um, we have a now we have a a rough idea of like what are all the parts and pieces of the technology and kind of what are the data and computational problems that it's aimed at uh, in kind of a generic sense. So, in the oil and gas world, where do you see this stuff having the most impact? It, it depends on uh, the cycle in the oil and gas phase, right? So sure. during COVID people, uh, oil and gas customers, were not exploring as much, right? Sure. Uh, it was fundamentally around asset management. We saw a lot of that. So we worked right. with those companies like Shell. Uh, we were helping them with their predictive management um, and maintenance. Uh, Devon Energy, you know, we helped them with uh, actually looking at the subsurface, but also looking at some of their production optimization. Uh, an example of that was, you know, you know, we had these data sets that you take two days to process, 48 hours to process. We're able to get them done in 30 minutes, which means that you can then make decisions much faster instead of waiting two days. So, okay, so from two days to 30 minutes. Yes, exactly. And, right. and we were processing uh, um, billions of data points from one oil well in an hour. So, so how are they? How are they? Just to give a little bit of extra context, how are they doing it before? Uh, they were, you know, collecting stuff in the cloud and they were processing it. A lot of some of it was actually manual, like I said. 
processing and saying there was lots of siloing of data. So we, we you, you know, the uh, the the Delta Lake, as I described, uh, becomes this SSOT, the single source of truth. So it becomes the central point for right, right. collecting all data. And we don't we don't duplicate data. It's all in the same place, right? Um, and we also have like you know cool features like time travel. So you can go back in time and look at data in its original state without making a copy of it. So yeah, you can run the model huge. back on that's that. That's huge, right? So okay, so in the case of I think it was Devin, you said. Yeah. Um, so there was there was an, there was a business objective already there. They were, so they were already doing this. Somebody had already made the case that said, if we can do. And what was it you said? Was it? It was. What was the like the use case? Was uh, yeah. Most of them was actually around. You know. Oh, I mean the, the one for Devin. Uh, mostly all of them were around like just managing oh. the data platform, right? Processing the data. So we helped unify it because okay, it was, it was you. you know like it was. Okay, so in different sources. Well, my point areas. is the thing that they were spending two days doing, right? Yes. There was somebody, so somebody made the case internally, at Devin. This is what we need to do if we do if we do X Y Z with the data. It's going to give us some advantage, and um, and it's going to take two days every time we do yes. it. Yes. Right. So they'd already. Um, so it was something they were already doing to solve an existing business need takes two days. Correct. So then yes. we come along with a completely different approach, different technology, different, and and now that, what that was, is now taking two yeah. hours, ha or half an hour. Yeah, half, half an hour. So half an, hour. an example could be something around production optimization, right? You want to be looking at the flow of uh, your hydrocarbons as you're processing it, right? right? Then you want to make some decisions on like, is it exceeding it? Is it, you know, are we underperforming? Um, What's the you know what's the cost of actually processing it? Yeah, you know, yeah. Is is the flow correct? You know speed of flow and stuff. Right. Uh, but we can we can map and model all of that now and capture all that data. It isn't just you know around that. If you look at uh, oil field operations, we can we can now work out your energy consumption, right? Um, yeah. What's interesting is um, if you look at uh, Canada, which has these thick tar, tar sands, right? They normally right. have to inject the ComSagD. So you normally have to inject uh, steam or water or something right. that goes into it, right? So they have a pretty cool process where once they inject the steam and, you know, water, they found a way to recycle it. So they have an entire little industry around there where they yeah, recycle the right, water. Right, right, right. And as it comes out of the ground, it's actually warmer than it actually went in. So you, the temperature at which you process it doesn't have to be high, but you're still burning off CO2 and you're still using uh, energy to do so because it's never as, it's not boiling as it comes out. Right. Yep. Uh, and then we found out that actually if you can map and model these uh, the most efficient way, which is called uh, pinch, pinch technologies for heat exchanges, mm -hmm. then you can save something like 3.4 million, 3 to 4 million Canadian dollars just by mapping that one uh, value for the most efficient way to heat water to go into that. Now that's just like one component of production organization and there's multiple components. So you're already saving like $4 million just on that. Uh, and then you also save like 65,000 tons of uh, CO2 emissions as a consequence of yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Okay, so, so what I'm hearing is, um, is, well, we already know that there's a whole bunch of things that the industry is trying to do right now yeah. to improve and optimize, da 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 And they all involve data. I always make I always say this thing right about uh, every every like 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 we always end up talking about data, right? Um, and and so people have begun the process of trying to do it's just a whole range of things, right? We could sit here and probably name one after another after another after another. If you know if we could get the data and if we could analyze it and then if we could um, you know and and get those results and get that in back into the stream of operations somewhere we can do something better than we were doing before, like. You can aim that 
anywhere in the industry almost, anywhere in the business. Um, and now, but what you're saying is, wherever one of those things is going on, you've got this Databricks thing, um, which takes kind of a different approach. Has There's proprietary technology, you take a different... Well, it's not proprietary, it's open source. So, oh, that's, so that's right. It's so what's yeah, yeah. even more interesting, interesting is that, yeah, so the Delta format is open source, right? Uh, and you know, if you decide not to be with Databricks, you can, it's your data, you can yeah, get access to sure, it. Sure. You just won't have like the optimization that, All of that Databricks right, provides. Right, right. Right? So it's all your data. But what you have yeah. is something that you can basically aim at, at dozens of different scenarios across the industry. Yes. And wherever somebody's trying to do something with data, which is everywhere, <laughs> and all of a sudden we have tremendous gains, right? So yep. now, now the data, the the, the 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 data processing is no longer the bottleneck really in getting these solutions to the point where they're, Correct, where they're yes. driving value. Yeah. So the, yeah. the, the challenge there is the bottlenecking, right? How do yeah. we how do we eliminate the bottlenecking? And then how do we create use cases, how do we enable our customers, our clients to do things that they weren't being able to do before, right? Um, oh, so we also have a new product that was actually launched oh, called yeah. called yeah. Delta Sharing, right? So what we see with enterprise customers is is that you know, because we are cloud agnostic, because of the way that they the IT is structured, is you know sure. they often have data stored in uh, Azure, AWS, or you know they could be stored right. in some bespoke cloud, right? Uh, with Delta sharing, you know, and they, did, and they probably went through a lot of effort and time to get it there. Right? Yeah, 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 there's yeah, a lot of effort yeah. there. So yeah. you know, they they'll have questions about whether they should migrate or not migrate. But with Delta sharing, you can you can share that data to be processed right down to like a single table or single column. Uh, and you can control it, so you can actually manage your egress costs and ingress costs, you know, as a, as yeah, a consequence of it. Yeah, that's huge, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and as long as one of it is in Delta format, which which the producer is, the consumer can can be in anything in open source and receive it. Yeah. So now you can share data between these multiple clouds in an easy way. Wow, that's yeah. fantastic. So it gives it gives our customers uh, a lot of choice to manage their current infrastructure. It gives them choice to think about use cases that don't exist yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, and that's the. Um, uh, so there's an interesting thing. Uh, I forget who, uh, one of the recent episodes, I forget who it was. We were talking about how a lot of the things that were able, maybe it was you, might have been you, uh, on on the Digital Doer show, but we're about there's a lot of things that the people, the scientists and the engineers and all the specialists in the industry for many years have wanted to be able to do. Like they can conceptualize yeah. these things, right? But we didn't have the computing capability, you know, or the data handling, whatever the, right, like to do it. So a whole bunch of like digital transformation in oil and gas is, is in some cases is um, doing things that we couldn't do before, but things that we, we wanted to do, we knew like we could, you know, like, like the idea of, of taking a, um, in subsurface interpretation and instead of just taking one person's model let's instead do like a thousand models and then use like statistical analysis to figure out right it, like yes. like like that's not a new idea we just couldn't we just couldn't do it before, well there was right? a couple limitations one the technology was wasn't there wasn't didn't really meet um, the must you know right. didn't really work as well right, right? But I think the thing that has changed is there's two things, right? and actually you kind of mentioned it earlier in in speaking is actually three things, right? There's cost, 
Right. The cost of doing this now is very manageable. Right. Right. So we'll launch up a cloud and you know scale cloud. Fair is enough. Easy. There were right. some things that we could do before if you wanted. It to just spend wasn't. Money. It, was, right. wasn't it, was just, right. it was wasn't practical. It was impractical. It wasn't scalability. Then the technology now exists where we can do it. Right. Uh, the ecosystem around support exists. Right. Right. And then there's also partners. We work with lots of partners. We are very good in what we do, but we're not necessarily domain experts in some things, and that's okay too. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we partner with which many is becoming increasingly more acceptable. In Correct. The industry, yes, right? they yeah, are partners yeah. that build accelerators for us. They are partners that right. we work with directly, and some we have you know stronger relationships with, and some where we have a win-win scenario. Some is more aloof. You know, they bring us opportunities, and we they help in some aspects. We partner with the big the the major cloud uh, uh, vendors. We, yep. Yeah. Right. So those. I believe Cognab was one of our one of our partners too, which is you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we work with them too, right? Like if you look at what Cognab does, you know, they produce the AI and the industrial insights into it. We will just manage the data platform that goes onto it. So it isn't really competition as such. You know, we 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 enable them to actually make these decisions. Oh. Right. Yeah. You know, we might have to get like you and Cognite and I don't know pick get a third Cognite. one. To, to do a panel, a yeah, panel yeah, discussion get, that would yeah, be get good. the Corva guys in the room. I'd love and to and talk the Corva yeah. guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an interesting. They, they have an interesting drilling technology, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so look, look at Corva's things. If we, t which I only just look at the cursory. Right? They're not a partner, and you know they're not a client either, right? So this isn't really a pitch, but like you know, there's some interesting, interesting ideas. Is like how do we give them more data to make better AI decisions? Right. That's funny in real time. Right. Yep. So then you know it comes down to like if you're processing a billion data points from a well. Or drilling site, it's like if you can get a response back in 30 minutes, then you can make a decision faster versus right. waiting two days to make a decision. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, we should do a panel on that. That would be yeah. good. Like a uh, like a, a a live not, you know. Well, you know, uh, like happy hour. OGGN, yeah, we got the OGGN happy hour. The real, yeah, yeah. real live happy hours are resuming this month, just here in Houston for now. Um, I think before uh, before they ended uh, a year and a half ago, they had there were they were there were OGGN happy hours and other cities. Okay. So right now we're just resuming the Houston events. They're going to be every month uh, starting this month in June and it's always on the last Thursday of every month and we got one coming up on the 24th of uh, this month. I think this episode will get out before that so I can talk about it but uh, which is being sponsored by HPE so another company that's uh, trying to that, that is doing some uh, some great things in the way of of, uh, of high performance computing and, and, and all of this new stuff that we're talking about. So um, we could do a, we could do, I think we have three months open that haven't been taken by anybody yet. And yeah, uh, it'd be and, nice to get, yeah, yeah get yeah, those guys to go. Do, do get, think, get together yeah. and yeah, do a, do a panel on that right here at the fabulous Canon on the West side of Houston. I feel bad for all the folks that, cause I'm always talking about how cool it is and all the cool things that we do here. But you know, there's so many people that listen to the show that aren't actually from Houston. Um, you know, but, uh, but if you travel here, <laughs> then look us up and we will uh we'll get together and do something cool also so so uh, uh so Ration is showing me the uh the headline of the accidental billionaires so if there if there's a uh if you can make that turn that into a repeatable process then i would yeah be, I uh, think. yeah there's a pretty cool picture of our, our founders actually on uh, the yeah. forbes thing and they're all wearing black T-shirts and a black shirt, which is actually my dress code, right? Yeah, so, it is. I've noticed yeah. you have. Um, I have you, only black T-shirts. You do. You're. It's. By the way, we should put a. We'll put a link to that article in the yeah. show notes. It's, but, a, uh, it's a really good. It's really interesting article. So yeah, exactly, your yeah. your. This is not your Schlumberger uniform that I used to see you in. All no, the time. no. Yeah, I, I I went through a uh, FYI. You know, I went through. I was listening to like Steve Jobs and uh, Zuckerberg about how they actually make no decision in their clothing. So I just basically got rid of like all my clothing. 
mostly yeah. t-shirts and basically right. only have black t-shirts and uh, you'd yeah. be surprised like how easy it is just to dress yeah, yeah sure yeah. sure yeah, 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 uh, yeah except that it does eventually every now and again you get like mental fatigue about oh, I just want to wear something different but you made a commitment <laughs> to this, this this lifestyle uh, and you can't break that <laughs> it's <laughs> always something uh, yeah. you know uh, it's probably a lesson from the military right uh, you don't yeah. uh, nobody's nobody in the military is waking up in the morning and thinking about what to wear right yeah, they're yeah, thinking exactly. about the mission yeah. really yeah. is what you're thinking about so alright cool so with that, with, this is probably a good place to wrap up if we haven't done so already and uh, people for people to find out more obviously databricks.com yeah in, in, in fact here's a, here's a pitch to people out there if they listen so we are always we are growing and uh, we will scale up and we are growing globally and we are actively hiring people uh, so yeah go to our website on databricks and you'll see all opportunities Right, uh, right, and they're all public opportunities, so everything public is what we know internally too. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah look it up. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's good. It's good to know somebody who's actually who's hiring. Right. Yeah. Now, or or so. find me on LinkedIn and click on yeah. it, and we can have discussions about this. And yeah, we always yeah. looking for good people. You are yeah. very easy to find on LinkedIn. I can uh, I can attest to that. So uh, all right, very good. Well, thanks. All right, uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks again. And uh, I think we're gonna like we need to. It's getting to be about like it's speaking of pub time. It's getting to be about pub time. So we're gonna wrap this up. But uh, thanks to uh, thanks to all our listeners for uh, for getting us to the 100 episode uh, mark, and and I'm always ha- happy and even slightly surprised when I look at the weekly uh, fanometer to see that uh, that there's more people listening today than there were than there were yesterday. So uh, so what I what I've told Mark Lacour, who as I mentioned started this show, is that I haven't broken it yet. So like you said, uh, you haven't broken anything. I haven't yep. broken the show. So many thanks to all the listeners for getting us to a hundred episodes. And uh, and that's it. I don't know what else to say. Oh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, at OGGN, as I mentioned, the happy hours are coming back. We've got new podcasts coming out. Uh, we have we have some new, besides digital doers. We have some other ones that uh, some brand new ones that are are really interesting, really cool. Some new hosts. So go to OGGN.com and you can see what all the podcasts are. You can connect with us on LinkedIn. You can join our street team. I think are you you're a street team member? Are you a street team member? I don't think so. Yeah. I think I saw your name on a street team list. Well, a street team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw your name. So the OGGN Street team is definitely back in action. Um, they never stopped, but last year they were sort of more on the virtual streets, and now they're actually out there. They're going to be. We're going to have street team people at the at the happy hour event on the 24th. So join the street team, and it'll give you something to do, something good for the industry, good for yourself, helps us get you out from behind those endless Zoom calls. And that is going to wrap it up. Oh, one more thank you to Cognite. I feel like we've mentioned Cognite enough in this episode, but uh, but one last uh, one last time, check out Cognite.com if you don't if you don't know what those guys are doing. It really is fantastic. And a uh, as usual, a big thanks to our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who is going to make this one sound uh, fantastic like he always does. And the very next thing that you hear is going to be Savannah Wilson with our events on deck. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month we have six events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occurred two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A, and ONG. This is going to be on June the 2nd. 
and for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events, the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGDN.com.